Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello. So glad that you would join us. So glad. Uh, I wonder if you would partake in this wonderful conversation that we were having before you came in. Welcome, one and all. <laughs> Welcome, one and all. Okay, I don't know what that was about. I, I was, I was, I don't know what it was, I'm trying something new, didn't work. <laughs> but, I applaud you for trying new things. Thank you. I don't appreciate it. Okay, well, <laughs> this is not a good start. But thank you for joining us again to, for the Become Fire podcast with our beloved fathers are here with us today, and we're, we're going to continue to, to speak about Advent, and uh, in a particular way today, um, we're going to focus on women. Amen. Oh, wonderful. Yes. But some women who, well, they have a little bit of a sketchy past, some oh, would say. Boy. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> But we're going to look at uh, St. Matthew's genealogy and the, the four women that are, are named in that genealogy. And then perhaps just, you know, looking at each one of these figures and, and seeing how they might help us to, to learn and, and to prepare uh, mm. for, this, for this season. So I'm excited to see what happens. Well, so am I. I mean, it's, you know, just, these are all women who are a part of Jesus's history. Mm-hmm. You know, his family. His family. So yeah. it's beautiful. We got to we had re, we read this reading on um, the seventeenth. Uh, it's so every you have the O antiphons. So you have these certain readings every year. You do starting to December seventeenth, and so we read the whole genealogy of Matthew, mm-hmm. and we read about these. You know, they, and there's some Ill, the, even the, the the male characters are not the greatest of characters in the world, especially a lot of those kings. Quite flawed, yeah, and uh, quite flawed. And so, but I think just the women, just a few times in the midst of this genealogy of men, these women are inserted, which is why they're so I think noteworthy. Yes. And people who we actually think, despite their ill repute, are people who we can look towards um, as possible ways to help us prepare for Christmas as Amen. we're continuing this series of preparing for Christmas. Well, if we could just maybe read the genealogy and then we could name those four women. And then perhaps we could just look at each one, talk a little bit about each one. I will gladly read to you. <clears throat> A reading from the Holy Gospel, Mm. according to St. Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asa, and Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, 
and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. I'll have you know that Father did that with his eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so there's some some really uh, intense names there, huh? But uh, we'll focus on those the four uh, female names mm-hmm. that were named there. And uh, uh, what's the first name there, Father? Is it uh, Rahab? The first one is Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, by Tamar. By Tamar. Tamar okay. is the first. So who is Tamar? So fascinating character. So we know Judah is one of the 12 sons of Jacob, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Judites and the Jews that we come by. So Judah, mm. eventually King David, kind of the descendant of Judah. Um, surprise, surprise in the genealogy, genealogy of Jesus. Judah has a few sons. And to the first son, um, he gives a wife, um, uh, from Ur, uh, for, uh, Ur was his firstborn, E-R. And from uh, the, among the people he is with, I think the Canaanites, uh, he gives uh, a wife named Tamar to his son Ur. But it says Ur was wicked and the Lord put him to death. Mm. So Ur is the husband of Tamar, but they don't have any kids. And so uh, by law, uh, it, his brother, his the next oldest brother was to take ta- the, the wife, if, if uh, husband, had a wife and they had no kids, the next son was taken. If we remember this, Jesus is talking and there's a, we were seven brothers and the first one had a wife and all seven had a wife. Who's is she going to be in the resurrection? And Jesus famously says, you know, there's neither marriage. Um, people not married or given in marriage were like the angels. Well, this is this law from the Old Testament that if it didn't have a son, the, the, the brother had to take the wife and have relations with her. We then have a famous, famous, famous passage about Onan. If you heard of Onism, Uh, Onan takes her to wife, but he doesn't want to have, because that kid would not be Onan's kid. It would be his brother's kid. And he didn't like his brother. So against his brother, he spills his seed on the ground, as they say, instead of having relations with Tamar so that she won't get pregnant. Because he doesn't want her to Mm -hmm. get pregnant because her kids would be his brother's kids. He doesn't like his brother. Great family dynamics in Jesus' history here. (sighs) Um, and so uh, Onan is struck down because of this. And this is one of the arguments against contraceptives mm-hmm. that the church uses, um, that it was because uh, he was not having, you know, he, it's contracepting, he was the, contracepting the marital act. Yeah. Well, um, Judah has another brother, but he's like, man, this woman, like two of my sons have died. And so he doesn't give his third son to Tamar. And so, so she dresses up like a prostitute. And then Judah's out and about traveling and sees her and he's like, hey, I'd like, hey I'll, I'll pay for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, really? And he doesn't recognize that it's his daughter-in-law because yeah. he's all dressed up. And, uh, and she's like, what do you give me? 
And he's like, I'll go. And she's like, give me something. So he gives her his ring, basically. His signet ring to say, okay, here's my pledge that I'll give you a goat for this. Judah has relations with Tamar. And then Tamar gets pregnant. Well, Judah finds out that his daughter-in-law Tamar's pregnant and he feels, and she's not married. So he's yeah. like, we got to burn her. We're going to publicly burn her. So they pull out Tamar and Tamar says, okay, the, 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 the man who I'm pregnant by owns this ring. And Judah's like, oh boy, <laughs> like, yeah. uh-oh. Yeah. Um, I slept with my daughter-in-law. Um, but it was, it was also- It's a big no-no. Yeah, big no-no. It's not good. <laughs> but Judah, Judah basically saying like, I should have, you're right. I should have given you to my third son. Yeah. I didn't follow the law. Judah was being disobedient to the law. Mm-hmm. And, and because he's been of the law, he has um, relations. Uh, basically, he takes on Tamar. It says it no longer has relations. The only relations he had with her that one time, he no longer has relations with her. But she is pregnant with twins, um, who we hear about. And she gives birth to these twins, um, Zera and Perez. Mm-hmm. And these are uh, the ancestors. I think Perez directly is the ancestor of Jesus. Yes. Um, and so this is the story of, of Tamar from the Old Testament. Um, and I think there's a few insights for Advent. Now you might say, well, why do we, what does this have to do with, with Jesus? Well, first, I mean, this, this is Jesus' history. Like, this is a pretty kind of messed up family system. His, his family's history. This fa- yeah, 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 yes. His yeah. family, his genealogy. Yes. This is his family's history. It's yeah. pretty, pretty messed up. Yes. And I think we could say, like, I come from a pretty messed up family history in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Like, things have not always been good. And if I go back far enough, it's probably got some Vikings in there and some some Romans pillaging and you know, other, other aspects of, of some probably pretty negative family history. And maybe just directly our family, it's kind of, it's a little bit <clears throat> messed up. Yeah. And, uh, and how beautiful that, that Jesus enters into this. All this, this messiness, brothers not liking brothers, mm-hmm. um, fathers sleeping with their daughters-in-law, like, yeah. and this is all in the history of uh, the genealogy of Jesus. Yeah. Um, that, that Jesus enters into just the mess of our humanity. It, it's, and also that it, it's, it's kind of shocking that, th- that this is in the Bible. I and mean, maybe we can think that the Bible is this sort of like clean text that, um, you know, tells us how to live upright lives. And, and uh, but there are some really, um, just for a lack of a better word, maybe just some gritty stories in the Bible, um, and 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 that it, it is just pulling out that there's the brokenness of of humanity, uh, and that this is what Christ has come to redeem, um, and He inserts Himself into um, the whole of the the brokenness of the family, uh, human family, but He does it in particular by inserting Himself into this particular family with their own history and brokenness. Okay, so pretty intense beginning there with Tamar. Indeed. So who is our next, who's our, who's our two hitter here? Our second hitter, um, I believe, as I'm looking at it, is, uh, is Rahab, Rahab, correct? It is Rahab. Yes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Rahab. Oh, Rahab, one of my favorite characters of the Old Testament. Rahab is a prostitute. Um, just straight up, not pretending to be a prostitute. <laughs> she just is a prostitute. That's a good clarification. And owns a house of prostitution. And she lives in Jericho, the famous city of mm-hmm. Jericho. And Joshua, uh, so we're in the, the time of Israel's history where they've finished their time, their exile. They're, they're free from Egypt. They've wandered for 40, 40 years. Um, and now they're about to come to the promised land. And Joshua's on the edge of the promised land and about to conquer the promised land. And the first city they come to is Jericho. And so he sends spies into Jericho to go kind of check things out. 
and they end up, you know, going to this house of ill repute, uh, <laughs> which I don't know whether they were spying, <laughs> as you might want to call it. Uh, but they, uh, but they're, they're, they're kind of recon- uh, doing, uh, reconnoitering the land, and they get to this house, and and basically they get found out that they're there. The the people of Jericho find out they're spies, and so they start. Um, you know, kind of looking around for them. Mm-hmm. And so the spies go to Rahab and say, spare us, like save us, hide us. And she makes this, one of the best deals in the Bible. Like yeah. I promise to hide you if you promise to spare me and my family when Jericho is destroyed. And, and, and she has the, she basically says, we know that you're about to destroy Jericho. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've heard about the wonders of God. You know, yes. bringing you out of Egypt. You heard about the wonders of God. Like you survived for forty years out in the desert, on you know miraculously on manna and, and water from a rock. Like we've we've heard these wonders of God. We know that God's with you. We know we're not going to survive. And and they so they recognize that even there's already this fear upon the people of Jericho. Um, but Rahab hides them, and they get hidden away. And then um, they, they 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 can't the. the people of Jericho, the military, the police force, whatever, can't find them. Then they escape out of out Rahab's window and they say the, the pledge is to tie a red or a scarlet cord outside of your window. Yeah. And we promise that anyone who's in this room, which the scarlet, scarlet cord is, is tied to, when we destroy the city, we will not touch. Um, but if they're outside the room, they're, they answer for themselves. Anyone in this room will not be killed. Yeah. Will, will they'll be preserved when Jericho is destroyed. Um, the men get away. Um, she doesn't give them away. As we know, they, Jericho's destroyed, the walls fall, but Rahab and her whole family that are in that room are preserved. And this has always been a, um, a foreshadowing of the cross yes. um, for, for the church fathers, that this, this red scarlet um, is, represents the blood of Jesus. That that's what saves. That though everything else around her is destroyed, she's saved. Why? She's saved by the, by the blood. You know, by this red scarlet cord representing, you know, that we are saved by the blood of Christ. That, that if we're in the room, if we're in there, we're covered by the blood of Christ, then that's where our salvation is. That's where our, our, our health is. And also that um, the, the beauty of conversion. Mm-hmm. The church fathers point to this, you know, pagan prostitute is the one who is saved and actually enters into a Jewish, and you know, she marries into um, into Judaism. There's two different traditions in that regard. Obviously, we have ours, uh, the Christian tradition here, um, that she was um, married to Salmon, um, and you know had father of Boaz. Um, there's a Jewish tradition that she actually married Joshua, the and, leader uh, of the battle, the leader of the battle, yeah, and had it was actually a uh, ancestor of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. So there's different traditions as to what happened. We know she enters into the people, yes. enters into the covenant, enters into the promise, yeah. This woman who had been a pagan prostitute enters into faith in God, leaves her paganism behind, enters into the faith in the one true God, and enters into the promise of the people um, and, and because of her fidelity to the promise that she made and the time this red cord. So she's a huge figure for the church fathers. Yeah. It's amazing just, just kind of what we're seeing is just the um, – is God just sort of rewriting these people's stories that um, that they're known for, you know what I mean? They're, they're remembered by in the Old Testament for um, maybe they're, they're tricking their father to get, or their father-in-law to get a child and, and going to rather dramatic means by, by pretending to be a prostitute or Rahab being, you know, the, the matron of a house. Uh, and, uh, but, but that's not their, their whole story uh, that, that then now they are entered into uh, Christ's family, 
Um, and now this then becomes the thing that, that defines them. This is the thing by now which, which we really remember them, um, that they are not for, not for their misdeeds, um, not for their sins, um, but, for, but for their relationship to Christ. Um, and so I think that is just important for us always too, that um, no matter what we've done, um, no matter what our past is, no matter what our sins, our misdeeds are, that, that those aren't necessarily the things that define us or, or how we will be remembered for all eternity, uh, but we will be remembered by um, our relationship to Christ. Yeah, and so even the, the red cord, you know, I think it's, it's kind of symbolic too of, you know, eventually the blood of Christ, mm. you know, and the, even the, the lamb, the Passover lamb, so it's just kind of foreshadowing that. Um, okay, so who's our who's our third? Number three. Third lady here. Mm-hmm, indeed. We have uh, Ruth. Ruth. Who is uh, the wife of, of Boaz. And the, the who's, the, who's the daughter of Rahab. Or sorry, the son that says of Rahab. Boaz is the son of Rahab. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then Boaz. Boaz. Is just, we're just Ruth. entering into these Canaanite, 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 and then Moabite. Yes. Woman. So Ruth's a Moabite. Um, another fascinating, so there's a whole bit of book. So there's the book of Ruth. So we're continuing on Israel's history here. We've been, we talked about Genesis and then we talked about from Joshua's Rahab's and Joshua. Yes. We're going to look these, these up. Um, and then now we're in the book of Ruth and, um, basically, uh, Ruth's uh, mother-in-law is Naomi. Naomi, um, there's a famine. And so she goes with her two sons and her two daughters-in-law, um, over to basically uh, the Mo- to the Moabites or with their two sons, they marry um, these Moabite women, and they're there. But the two sons die. I'm sorry, short. So it's Naomi left with her two daughters-in-law. Her two sons are dead, who are Jewish. Naomi's Jewish, and Naomi tells the two daughters, "Hey, listen, I'm not going to live in Moab anymore. I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to my own people. My sons are dead." And uh, the one daughter-in-law is like, "Okay, I'll go back to my people." But Ruth is like, "No, like Naomi, I love you. I'm not leaving you." Your people are my people. And so Ruth actually leaves her people behind. So her husband's dead, and she leaves her, her people behind, the Moabite people, in order to, again, we're talking about leaving the, their own people to enter into the covenant, enter into mm-hmm. the promise. So she leaves the Moabite people, she enters into to Israel with Naomi. But we're talking about basically two widows yeah. who have nothing. In that time, you know, they couldn't own property. There's a lot of being a widow, or Jesus just talks about caring for the widows and the orphans. She has no rights, they have no money, they're, they're poor. They're yeah. really poor, they have nothing. Um, so they're, um, going to, uh, the, they go back and they're looking for food and they find this man, Boaz, who owns all these fields. And basically Boaz allows them to, after his men have gone and through a field and picked all the grain, he lets Ruth come behind them and pick all the extra grain, mm, all yeah. the stuff, all kind of the left. Hey, you know, you're going through, you pick all the big stuff, you miss some of the little stuff. And that's what they would let the poor do. The poor could come and pick. That's why the scripture talks about don't go through your field twice so, so that the poor can come and get. And so they're, yeah. so they're taking advantage and they're picking this. And, and so Ruth and Naomi make up a little plot, basically. Um, it, it is kind of debated about what exactly happens, but um, Boaz has had a little bit to drink. And he goes to lay down in the threshing floor, and uh, and Naomi sends uh, her daughter, sends Ruth into lay with Boaz. Now, some people it says she lays at his feet. I was told that meant that she sleeps with him while he's drunk. Sure, um, that's not 
there are other interpretations that she's just she just basically lays at his feet, basically sub, sub supplants herself like, hey, I'm 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 in need of of help, and that's the whole yeah. conversation they have afterwards. I need a redeemer. Like I'm poor, I have nothing. Please help me. Yeah. And uh, and so Boaz wakes up. He finds this woman sleeping there in his bed, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" And she's like, "Hey, you're my redeemer. Like you've you've helped. You. We're, we're picking food off your grain. No, my mother and I are, are, have nothing. We, will you help us?" And uh, Boaz takes pity and gives her a lot of grain, and then eventually, um, through Naomi's cunning, they he marries her, and obviously uh, they have kids. Yes. Um, so there's this this beautiful again entrance into the the people of God, and this one by um, I guess depends on how you how you view that laying at the floor. Sure. Um, but not the first non prostitute in our, our, our list of yes. prost- prostitutional acts. Um, but um, how how beautiful it is again that this woman who was a Moabite and she leaves her own people and she says, "I'm going to cling to I'm going to cling to the Israel. I'm going to cling to the true God." Like I've seen something in Naomi. Mm-hmm. Naomi's been a witness to me. What she has, my mother in law has, in the faith that my husband had as a Jew, has meant more to me than my own people. I'm willing to leave my own people, my own customs, everything I know because I've found something. Yeah, and and, and that's a part of our own faith, our own journey um, of Christ, and how we're supposed to lead others. Like we found something in Christ. We found something in this Christ child who's born among us for which we'll give up everything, everything we know, everything we want. And particularly as priests and religious, we can speak to that, but even lay people are called to do the same. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm willing to give up everything. And whatever that call is, like I'm not holding on to it because I found Christ. I found the pearl of great price. I'll sell everything to buy the pearl, to get this treasure, to buy, to buy the field, to get the treasure that God has for me. Yeah. I think it's just worth noting at this point too that uh, you mentioned that this is, you know, Tamar's a Canaanite woman. Uh, Rahab's a Canaanite woman, and now Ruth is a Moabite woman. Uh, so they're not Jews; um, they're not Jewish. They're, they're they're outside of of God the the promise that God made to Abraham and to his descendants. Um, and so Matthew includes them in the genealogy to just kind of tell us that 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 the promises of God are, are, are for all peoples um, and, and that these women graft themselves in to that story. They graft themselves into that vine. They graft themselves into the family to, to, to receive the blessing. Um, and so, so that's like you and I, I mean, uh, all of us who are not of, of, of Jewish descent um, who have come to now partake of the, pro- the fulfillment of the promises that God made to his people. Um, and so they are, there are these reminders to us that that God's promises, that God's blessing, are are, are for all peoples, um, and so just thanks be to God that um, that we've been grafted into the into the covenant, into the family. We've been adopted in. Amen. So we have three very uh, different, in some ways, but similar stories, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we we end with with one that that might be probably the the most well known. Um, yeah, because right. of the figure that it surrounds, yeah. but well, scandalous too. With, with the wife of Uriah mm-hmm. um, or Bathsheba. That's, yeah, Ma- it's funny that Matthew calls her the the wife of Uriah. Yeah, um, he doesn't. He won't even name her. He doesn't name her like the other three. Uh, How scandalous! Because she's a scandal, like to the to the Jewish people. I mean, I would I would assume you know that mm-hmm. that it's kind of like I'm not even going to name this woman. But the other three, we see some virtue in, like Tamar's like. She's like, I, I, I'm owed a, a, a husband. Like, I've, I, Judah's not giving me my rights. I'm going to take mm-hmm. my rights. Rahab saves the Jewish people, mm-hmm. you know, or, or saves these spies that are in Jericho. 
Um, Ruth is trying is like I mean, she professes for, belief in, yeah. in the in the Jewish God, and yeah. and Ruth is trying is caring for her mother in law, yeah, right, and caring for like picking grain every day, yeah. Bathsheba, <laughs> uh, well, we get into her story. I mean, yeah. she her her husband is Uriah the Hittite, uh, the Hittite. When you read, Uriah is one of David's mighty men. So this is not like some guy in his military, I don't know who it is. Like this is one of like David's mighty men, one of the most important men of David's army. One of his, I want to say right-hand men, hmm. right? One of his, yeah. one of the, because there's a whole chapter of the scripture, like the mighty men of David. Um, so this is someone he would have known, a friend. Right. I mean, he's given his life, he's giving his life for David. Well, it's, as they, as the scripture says, it's the, the time of year when um, kings go out to battle. Yeah. And you know what? The king didn't go out to battle. Mm-hmm. The king stayed behind. Um, and the commentators will talk about this, how he sent out his military to do kind of his work that he should have been doing to, to conquest the people. I and mean, this is right. the land of Israel. They're called to hold it, to conquer it. Um, and, and he's not fulfilling his call as a king. Yeah. Um, instead, he's staying behind. He's sending someone else to do the work that he's called to do. But he stays behind and Bathsheba is bathing um, uh, you know, on the rooftop, which I, I mean, I'm guess. I, I never feel like there's a, an appropriate place where you're in a culture and you should be bu- bathing publicly like for the opposite sex to see you. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I don't understand 2,000 years ago, but it feels like, I mean, yeah, there were men who would bathe together and women who bathe together, but as far as like, I'm just going to bathe out in the public and I can be seen by, you know, somebody else, you know, the commentators would say, it looks like she's looking for trouble. And I kind of putting herself out there, the case, or getting a little lonely, Uriah's gone, he's at war. And uh, and David the king Caesar, uh, he's out. He's uh, up on on his roof. He looks out and he sees this woman and he inquires about her, and learns that this is a married woman, and not only married, she's he's she's a Hittite, so non-Jew again, mm-hmm. and married to Uriah the Hittite, a man who was a Hittite who became one of David's mighty men. So it's this this guy who's given up his people to come and serve David, yeah, um, and is caring for David and David Caesar and David who has a bunch of wives. I mean, David is not short on women. Uh, in, in, in this time of his reign, um, decides he needs this woman. And so he uh, calls her over and she seems to come kind of willingly and, uh, and he sleeps with her and she gets pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when David finds out about it, he brings Uriah back. And he, he brings Uriah back because he wants Uriah to sleep with his wife so that Uriah uh, will think that it's his kid. Right. Um, because hey, I gone down to war and I come back and my wife's pregnant. Uh, um, but Uriah's a virtuous man, and Uriah refuses to go lay with his wife. Yeah. And David's like, "What are you doing?" David gets him drunk. Yep. And I try to get him to go home and sleep with his wife. He's like, "My men, my men are at battle. My men are at war. Like, how? Who would I be to go and like sleep with my wife when, um, when uh, when I'm like, this is uh, not." this is where um, I'm just called back to give you information. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back. I got to be with my men. I'll, I'll go do pleasure when I have time for pleasure, but it's time for battle right now. Yeah. He's just his virtue. And so um, David has him killed. David sends a letter. Uriah carries his own letter of death. Yep. And Uriah is supposed to go to the front of the lines, lead a charge. And then in the middle of the charge, all the other men are supposed to pull back. So Uriah dies. So David basically commits murder. He doesn't hold the gun that shoots the bullet. But he basically kills He them. loads it and cocks it and hands it to someone else. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and says, fire at this person. So um, David's basically a murderer and adulterer in this. And God's not happy. And we can go to this, like, basically, that son that Uriah, um, 
Bathsheba has dies. Yes. Um, and David's begging for the child. and But then he brings Bathsheba into his home and she gives birth to Solomon, which is also this incredible because Solomon becomes king. Yes. So the same woman that God's like, oh, you just committed murder and adultery with this woman is the same woman who's going to bear the son that will be king of Israel. Yes. And the wisest, you know, other than the Lord himself, you know, uh, at that time, the wisest man in the world. Um, and one of the wisest probably to ever live. And, and, and Yet he, you know, he ends up ends actually ends up at the end of his life in paganism. So there's this really interesting dynamic about this is a part of Jesus's history. Yes. And this woman who we won't even name, you know, who David, the King David, the, the David, a man after the Lord's own mm-hmm. heart. Of all the wicked kings, David's never called wicked. He's always called a man after the Lord's own heart, who has to repent, but he has to repent because of this terrible sin that he yeah. commits that God's not happy with. And this woman is a part of Jesus's genealogy. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's just incredible that, you know, um, then da- and the Lord even, you know, will go by the name Son of David. Um, and this is a, a title that that he, he goes by and that we hear quite frequently in the scriptures. Um, and so it's just all there. Um, and in Matthew's genealogy, it's just so incredible, so beautiful. Um, and these women play such an, an important role. They play such an important part um, of just... Um, uh, of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's compassion, um, and then just then the the dignity that that He gives to to all of those who then are just who just come in into the line, who just come in to the family, and so it is marked by by sin. It is marked by um, just human beings at their worst. Um, but this is exactly what was preparing the way for Christ, and exactly why Christ has come. And I think just to say Jesus was born in a manger mm-hmm. and he's willing to be born in the manger of your heart. Like yeah. despite all of this stuff, Jesus is born into it. Despite this genealogy, which isn't always the best of genealogies, that's what, what who the Lord comes into. In your own life, your own heart, if there's sin, if there's nasty, he's like, I don't deserve it. I don't, I'm not worthy. I've sinned too much. Whatever the case, whatever lie you might be believing, that Jesus wants to be born in your heart. He mm-hmm. wants to come into your heart in a deeper way this Christmas. So open it up because he's not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid mm-hmm. of the manger. He wants to yeah. come into your heart this Christmas. He's not afraid of your story. Yeah. And he's, he was able to accomplish what he had foreordained. Yes. Even through yeah, the none of it, None of it got in the way of his plan. Yeah. Well, praise God. So hopefully these, some of these characters will, will uh, maybe strike a chord with you in some way, help you to, to meditate upon the ways in the Lord can work through some of the mess to prepare us for the coming of, of Jesus this Christmas, Amen. which is quickly coming. Around the corner. Right around the corner. But again, can we give a note real quick? Yeah. We're not going to do a podcast the Monday after Christmas. So this is episode, actually, if you can believe it, episode 49. Wow. For us, and this is our last Advent series. We have Christmas coming up this mm-hmm. week. Um, we're going to take a break. We won't have one after the Monday, but that first Monday of the new year will be our 50th, and we're going to do something special for us. There'll be a Woo-hoo! 50th, a f- special 50th episode, but it will be in two weeks, just to let people know. Prepare yourselves. You will need two weeks to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So uh, we've once again arrived at that moment where I get to ask you a question. Let's do it. And I'm so excited. I feel my feet have gone numb. I'm buckled <laughs> in. I'm ready. All right. So of these four women, mm. oh boy, which one do you think, fathers, that kind of you can you can take something from? Which one speaks to you most here? Oh wow. That's, okay. That's, uh, um, that's I, I'm gonna go with Rahab. Yeah, she's great. Um, 
in that I just I find it so beautiful that um she, these these spies show up from Jerusalem, right? And 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 she has this opportunity to kind of turn them, turn them in and be like, well, here's my last desperate hope, right? I know that that God's with these other people. I know that um, God, you know, but but I'm going to turn these guys in. We're going to kill them. We're going to we're gonna, one last stand, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, her heart's been convicted. And it's like, that's not the Lord. Like the pagan gods I've served before, they're not God. And and so I know, recognize that all of my, everybody outside of my family is about to die, who I know. The friends I grew up with, everything else. But you know what? Like I would rather have the Lord. Like my options are the Lord or all these other friendships and relationships. And these times come in our lives when we have these relationships and they have to die. I hate to say because it really hard because it's friendships and we've kind of maybe hold on to them, but but they always turn to sin. They always end up gossiping. Always end up like they they lead us into drinking too much. Or they they're just friendships, relationships that aren't leading us to God. And God might be this Christmas season being like, you have to make your choice. Like, are you going to put this to death or not? Because I'm because I'm coming, and everyone in the city of Jericho is going to be destroyed if they don't have the the blood of Jesus covered. They don't have that scarlet cord. I think Rahab just shows this beautiful example of one who, with the great mercy of God. That, that she, she would leave everything behind for him. Um, but also that we have to make a choice. And this choice is so important. It choices life and death, eternal life and death. And she, she shows that so beautifully. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll go with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Um, and I, I think it's just, you know, she got up, caught up in um, just her own desires for for other things, uh, whether that was for power, whether that was for for pleasure, whether that was for um, prestige or whatever, and 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 led her to 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 become unfaithful. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, and just recognizing how how it's so easy to just become unfaithful, um, and so easy to um, just lack that fidelity in our own hearts. And so uh, I think there's just something extremely relatable about that. And then, but even then from that, um, you know, she, she is married to the greatest King and gives birth to the other greatest King and the Lord, um, the Lord redeems it all. Amen. I like, I like Ruth. I like Ruth. I like her, uh, just the faithfulness that she shows to her mother-in-law and like humility when in the, in the tough times that she, um, that she kind of emulates. But would one of you fathers kindly lead us in a, in a prayer? And uh, we wish you all a very merry uh, Christmas, a blessed time. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. And a happy new year. Yeah, might as well. Oh, sorry, I can't sing. I was still that, <laughs> you know, for fears of the, the robots. Oh, right yeah, now. that's right. But I think that's public demand. Yeah, I hope robots. so. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they, they, like if you're singing a song. <laughs> That uh, it has is copyrighted. We'll well, come in. We'll shut shut you down. So anyway, on that note, uh, we just ask Lord your blessing to be upon all the listeners, all those who are um, taking time to join us uh, to help prepare for Christmas. We pray that Advent blessings might be upon them, their hearts might be prepared to, to come to know you, Lord Jesus, in a deeper way. The, the manger of their heart, no matter um, whatever's in there, that they would be willing to open up that manger willing to let you and not be like the innkeepers who turn Jesus away, but instead be like um, the, the, the beautiful manger, um, the beautiful shepherds who, who received Christ into their hearts. And we ask God's blessing to be upon all of you and that you might have a blessed Christmas as I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Bless all you singing robots out there. God bless.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.